Matt had no idea what I was preaching on tonight and yet couldn't have picked a better song to introduce the lesson. That song in the third verse talks about how wonderful it will be when we get there that day and hear the Lord say, well done. But verse 2 is what leads up to that and it talks about going to preach the word to all the world. We're talking a lot about evangelism lately and I want to talk about it again tonight as well. And what I'm trying to do is give you some tools that will help you and hopefully some of these words will stick with you when you bump into these inevitable situations as you talk to people about your Jesus. Sooner or later, probably all going to have to deal with the question, can we all understand the Bible alike? Now, as you deal with that question with people, it may actually take the form of a statement such as, well, that's just your interpretation. Or, there's no such thing as absolute truth. Or, we can't really know the truth anyway. Or, the Bible is just way too hard to understand. Or, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Those are some of the statement forms that deal with that question, can we all understand the Bible alike? Before we answer the complete question, can we all understand the Bible alike, we must first answer the question, can we all understand the Bible? And the answer has to be an absolute and emphatic, yes, we can understand the Bible. Despite the cultural and, and denominational claims in some cases to the contrary. Listen to these words from the Psalms. In Psalm 19.7, David said, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony, listen to this now, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God's word is written to make the simple wise. To give them understanding. In Psalm 119, 104, David says, Through your precepts I get understanding. It is through God's word that we get understanding. And finally, in Psalm 119, in verse 130, David says, The entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Can we understand the scriptures? Yes. The whole reason the scriptures were given to us were so that we might understand them and understand God. That's the whole purpose and reason. There are a lot of New Testament examples as well of the fact that the Word of God was delivered specifically to be studied, understood, and to be applied and obeyed. You will recall in the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter, 20, uh, Matthew chapter 13 verse 23, Jesus said, But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it and indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. The word of God is meant to be understood. We can understand the Bible. For example, open your Bibles this evening to Ephesians 5. You know, in some religious groups, the claim is made that, well, the Bible's just so hard, can't understand it anyway, so you need to ask the priest what it says, because common people can't understand it. Well, that's just not true. Not according to God. 
In Ephesians 5, beginning at verse 15, the Apostle Paul wrote to the Church of Christ in first century Ephesus. He said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, if we can't understand the will of God, if we cannot understand the scriptures, then this is just plain a stupid statement. He is asking you to do that which is utterly impossible if we cannot understand the Bible. Because he says, understand what the will of the Lord is. The text that we talked about this morning is in 1 John. Please turn there. These sermons kind of overlap a little. 1 John chapter 5, if you would open there, it says this. 1 John 5 and verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. How can we know that we have eternal life based on what is written there if we can't understand what is written there? Think about it. We couldn't have eternal life based on what is written if we couldn't understand what is written. But only because we can understand, we can, positive, yes, we can understand what is written in the Word of God, that's how we know we have eternal life. Verse 20 of this same text. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. He's come and given us understanding. Now granted, granted, there are a few things in some of Paul's epistles that are a little bit hard to understand. Peter says that in 2 Peter 3 and verse 16. Things which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Did you notice what he said? He said there's some hard things to understand in some of Paul's epistles which unstable people are going to twist and distort as they do the rest of the... They even twist and distort the stuff that ain't difficult. That's what Peter's saying because they're out to twist and distort anyway. But we can understand, we can, the scriptures. Right after that, in 2 Peter 3 and verse 16, Peter goes on to say, but you can avoid all that error of man-made perversions and all of that simply by studying and learning and growing and coming to understand and obey the sacred scripture. The bottom line is, not only can we understand the Bible, but we must if we want to go to heaven. We can understand it, we can know the truth, and to say that we cannot know the truth and cannot understand the scripture is to call God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit liars. Because they've all said we can understand it. Again, when a person says, well, we just can't understand the Bible. We, just, we can't know it. We can't understand it. They're calling God a liar because God said you could. I want you to consider along that line further with me for a moment. A few of the other incredible blasphemies and consequences of denying that we can understand the scriptures. 
There was a writer some years ago that gave us five ifs relative to this. These are his five ifs. And they're powerful. He says, number one, if men cannot come to an honest understanding of the Bible, then God failed in his attempt to reveal his will to man. Thus, God would be subject to error and the weakness of failure, and he would not be all-powerful and divine. That is a good point. Number two, if the impossibility is in our inability to understand the Bible, then we have the creator of man demanding unity of faith when we are incapable of rendering it. This would make God unjust and unmerciful, a slanderous charge against God. Number three, if we cannot understand the Bible alike, then no one can be sure he understands it at all. This is a big one. If we cannot understand the Bible alike, no one can be sure he understands it at all. Thus, mankind is left without a certain guide. We are like a ship lost on a storm-tossed sea of doubt and confusion without chart or compass. We cannot successfully direct our own steps, Jeremiah 10.23. We cannot be sure what is right or wrong. We cannot hope to be saved if we cannot understand the Bible. If this is true, we are of all creatures most miserable. How can we bear to live how dare we to die? If we can't understand the Bible, he's absolutely right. Number four, if the Bible cannot be understood, then God is guilty of giving the world a useless book that has been a chief source of disagreement and division in the human family while demanding unity based upon something beyond their ability to understand. Does that make sense to anybody? And number five, if the Bible cannot be understood, then men are greater than God. Let that sink in. If the Bible cannot be understood, then men are greater than God, for men have written instruction books and textbooks that are understood by all who study them with diligence, and they are understood alike. I want you to think about that. You go to college, you take college courses, you have a textbook. This textbook is written and it is given to the whole class. And the whole class is expected to understand a man-written book alike and pass a test on it that they all have the same comprehension and understanding based on a man's ability to write in such a way that everybody can come to the same conclusion. Is that right? So to say that God could, did not give us a book that could be understood by us is to say that man is smarter than God. You want to talk about blasphemy? In the book that I wrote, Effective Everyday Evangelism, in chapter 5, I give this example. And I, only, I, I want to read this here because it fits with this so well. That book was about two fictitious characters, one of them a member of the church and one of them just your average Joe on the street. And it starts out in chapter 5 this way. It says, 
But that's just your interpretation. Yours and the rest of those folks up at the Church of Christ where you go, Joe said as he and his co-worker Chuck discussed the Bible during their lunch break. Baptism has nothing to do with initially getting saved. It comes after. Everybody knows that. Now that's the claim of Joe on the street. So Chuck asked him a question. Chuck says, let me ask you a question, Joe. Suppose in today's paper there was a Hopeland grocery store ad that read, free, $50 Hopeland gift cards given out to the first 50 families to come through the door this coming Friday. Gift cards valid at local location only and expire Friday night at midnight. One card per family must be 18 or older to obtain card. Now, what if somebody showed up Thursday evening, was 16 and wanted a card? Would they get one, Chuck asked? Joe shook his head, no. Chuck continued, well, what about if a person showed up Friday morning, stood in line, and was a member of the 53rd family to enter the store? Should they expect one? Again, Joe shook his head, no. Or try this, Chuck continued, what if somebody showed up, was over 18, was part of the 6th family to enter the store on Friday morning, received their card, and then either tried to cash it in on Saturday, or over at Mall Mart or at the Land Springs Hopeland store 30 miles from here. Even if a friend or family member that they trusted had told them that that's what the rules actually meant despite what they literally said in big, bold, black and white print in the paper. Joe, beginning to get just a little frustrated, Chuck's seemingly endless and elementary inquiries, responded rather impatiently, well then no, of course they wouldn't get to spend the card. Look Chuck, I can read, what's your point? The point is simply this, Joe, Chuck answered patiently, and it's an extremely important one. How is it that the whole town can, and is completely expected to, without a single second thought, read and understand an ad like I've described exactly alike? One reading in the whole town completely understands and accepts the implications of every aspect of that ad, and then they plan and act accordingly. They understand the ground rules of receiving this free gift card without exception, exemption, or interpretation. They read this ad and immediately accept that the rules mean exactly what they say, just like they're written in straightforward black and white, and they prepare to meet those requirements if they want to receive the free gift. Isn't that the way it works? You read a coupon. Uh, Betty brings in the coupons to Karen for, for Joann's to go buy yarn or for other, it's Joann's, right? No, it's not Joann's, for another store, okay? But understand when you see that, if it says offer is this date to this date and it's for 40% off on these items, everybody in the world understands, right? And you plan accordingly. Well, if man is smart enough to write that that way, what makes us think God isn't smart enough to write down belief? plus repentance, plus confession, equals salvation. Is that pretty straightforward? Is that pretty black and white simple? If man can do it so that man can understand it, what makes us think God, our Creator, is not smart as a man is? Think of it. 
And finally, Joe, uh, Chuck continues, And yet, when it comes to some of the Bible's plainest, simplest, most straightforward, and easiest to understand of instructions, some of those very same folks seem to always want to insist that God's rules are somehow a matter of interpretation, and that it's therefore okay if we all understand them completely differently. Chuck leaned in seriously and stared Joe straight in the eye and said, You don't believe that man is smarter than God, do you? Point made. And so we have begun to understand the question, can we all understand the Bible? In fact, we've even talked about the fact that we can all understand it alike. And I'd like you to turn to Romans 15 for just a minute as further proof. Romans chapter 15, verses 4 through 6. Romans 15, 4 through 6. For whatever things were written before, were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Yes, these things were written for us to learn and understand from. Then he goes on to say, Now, verse 5, May the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Put 4, 5, and 6 together. The scriptures were written that we might learn and understand and all come to the same conclusion. That's why he says in verses 5 and 6 that we're to be of one mind, like-minded, one mouth glorifying God. Yes, we can all understand the scriptures alike. So, or better yet, if we can't, if we can't, then right here in Romans 15, 4 through 6, God is demanding and commanding the absolutely impossible. We can't be of one mind. We can't understand the scriptures. See, the God's right or he's wrong. I'm going with God's right. So if we can't understand it alike, and we can as we've seen, then what's the problem? What is the problem? If we can't understand it alike, then why on earth don't we? Why are there so many churches? Why don't we all understand it alike if we can? Well, the reason is pretty easy to identify, or at least its root. Here's the problem. We could, and we can, but we don't because of self-centered and self-serving human agendas and priorities and the fact that we are far more concerned with them than with loving and full-fledged understanding and obedience to the Word of God. People want to believe what they want to believe despite what God said. Problem isn't that we can't understand it alike, but because of what we want to believe, we choose not to understand it alike. And I'm speaking about humanity overall. Listen, in Matthew chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, as well as Mark 6 and verse 54, the Bible says that the lack of understanding, this fatal lack of understanding, is simply due to one thing. A self-imposed hardness of heart. People have hardened their heart. That's why they don't understand it alike. It's not that they can't, but they've hardened their heart. 
Continuing on in Matthew 13, verses 18 through 22, Jesus, in the parable of the sower, goes on to explain how this hardness of heart, which leads to this fatal misunderstanding, is simply that people have misplaced priorities. People have a constant consumption with other things instead of with studying and understanding the Word of God. Again, it's not that they can't understand it, it's just that they don't choose to take the time to understand it. Lack of understanding is not because we can't understand it alike, but because we refuse to take the time and put in the effort to learn what God said and do it. Scripture additionally says that a lack of understanding comes through biblical ignorance, Romans 10, 1 through 3. Biblical incompetence and laziness when it comes to studying the scriptures, 2 Timothy 2.15. And listening to and being led astray by false teachers who malign the truth of the word of God, 2 Peter 2.1-3. You know why people today don't understand the truth alike and why there's not just one church? Because people don't abide in God's word. Talked about this passage this morning, John chapter 8, verses uh, 31 and 32. Jesus told those disciples who believed in him that if they would but abide in his word, they would truly be his disciples. And they'd know the truth, and the truth would set them free. You know, to a lot of people, it's just not important to study God's word, and, and that's why we don't understand it alike. A lot of this is due to the fact some people you study with don't want to know what's in the word of God. And one of the reasons they don't want to know is because they have this idea, and rightfully so, that if they did study the Word, and they did come to find out what was in it, and they did know the Word of God, then they would be guilty if they didn't repent of some of the sin they want to live in. They're afraid that if they get in there, that God's going to tell them, your life's got to change. So they stay as far away from the Bible as they can. They don't want to understand it. They don't want to know it. Because they got a pretty good idea that God would say, you can't live like that. And they're scared of it. They dare not look in it. It's always been that way. Look with me in your Bibles in Hosea 4. Hosea, the fourth chapter. Beginning at verse 6. If you turn to that passage, you'll see that it's not because we can't understand it alike. That's not the, that's not the problem but that we choose not to understand it at all because we, talking about mankind overall, doesn't want to submit to God. Hosea 4.6 God says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. Notice he doesn't say because you can't understand it. He said because you've rejected it. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will reject you from being priests for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will forget your children. Again, it's not because they didn't know it. It's because they cast it behind their backs. He tells us in verse 10 that the reason is because they have ceased obeying the Lord. Not because they didn't know what he wanted, but they didn't want to do what he wanted. You know... In the beginning, I gave you this fatal five, as it were. Five of the more familiar, at least to me, excuses that both the biblically ignorant non-religious as well as the biblically ignorant religious world around us give when they are confronted with the truth of the Word of God and we offer to study with them. Do you remember what they were? That's just your interpretation. There's no such thing as absolute truth. Can't really know the truth anyway. The Bible's way too hard to understand and we'll have to just agree to disagree. Those are the typical ones you get. 
Those are the fatal five for the sake of tonight's sermon. One, take a look at all five of those in the glaring light of God's Word. And we will see just how transparent the flawed human wisdom is in each one of them. The first one. Well, when you present somebody black and white, now I'm not talking about, well, I think this, or I, I'm talking about open up the scripture, turn around, and say, what does it say? They'll say, well, that's just your interpretation. Here's the scripture for that one. 2 Peter chapter 1, 20 and 21, please turn there. 2 Peter chapter 1. When you are confronted with that, 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of men, but the holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The Scripture did not come from anybody's private interpretation. So when you're standing on just Scripture, it has nothing to do with private interpretation. When you're standing on just Scripture, you see, Scripture isn't the problem. The problem, as Peter goes on to tell us, is with all those man-made doctrines that people believe. In fact, in the very next three verses, he says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. Many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. The problem is not with the scripture. The scripture is not about interpretation. It's all these man-made rules that are the problem. So when I tell somebody, baptism doth now also save you. 1 Peter 3 and verse 21. I'm not talking about anything that's got anything to do with interpretation. It says what it says, it means what it means, and God meant what he said. Number two, people say, well, there's no such thing as absolute truth. They need to be careful because they're calling Jesus Christ a liar. I wouldn't want to be guilty of that. I don't want to face him judgment day and tell him that. Jesus said there was such a thing as absolute truth. John 17, 17, he said, sanctify them in truth. Thy word is truth. Ephesians 5.21 tells us that the truth is in Jesus. And in John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If the truth, absolute truth, does not exist, then not only is Jesus a liar, but so is everybody that ever wrote about him, because that means he didn't exist because he was absolute truth in human flesh. So it is blasphemous to say there's no such thing as absolute truth. Number three, people say, we can't know the truth anyway. Once again, they're calling Jesus a liar because we'll go back to that passage we've, we've mentioned twice today. John 8, 31 and 32. What did Jesus say? He said to those who had believed in him that they needed to abide in his word and they would truly be his disciples. And he says, if you abide in my word, you shall know the truth. Can we know the truth? Jesus said, yeah, we can. So if you say we can't know the truth, you're calling Jesus a liar. Some people say, well, number four, the Bible's just way too hard to understand. Once again, I would point you back to the seven texts that I referenced at the very beginning of this sermon, which prove that that is just not true. The Bible is not way too hard to understand. The Bible is meant to be understood. And then finally, <laughs> the big one, it seems, 
When you stand up on the Bible and you tell somebody what the Bible says, you quote them book, chapter, and verse, what do you got? Well, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree. I'm not buying that is the intention. We'll just have to agree to disagree. This is the reasoning that people will resort and retreat to who cannot biblically defend their error or refute your black and white scripture. But they don't want to accept it either. So that's their resort to. Well, we just have to agree to disagree. Follow me, I'm going to read quickly here. John 17. I want you to tell me what these passages say about agreeing to disagree and whether or not God accepts that. John 17. And I'm not talking about your opinion over the color of the carpet of the songbooks. I'm talking about biblical issues. John 17. We're going to read these fast. Let's see what Jesus said about agreeing to disagree. Does this sound like agree to disagree is okay to you? John 17, 20 says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me and have love them as you have loved me. Does that sound like to you? Jesus said, hey, you know what? It's okay to be disagreeing all over the place. Does that sound like that to you? Don't sound like that to me. Acts chapter 28. Please turn there. Acts chapter 28, starting at verse 25. Paul's been doing some preaching. In Acts 28, beginning at verse 25. So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. The Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, seeing you will see and not perceive. The hearts of this people have grown dull, their ears are hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I would heal them. These people, notice in verse 25, did not agree among themselves. They disagreed. And what does Paul go on to say? It's okay, you guys, you can agree to disagree and everything's cool. No. He said because they disagreed on what God said, he said you're the people that God's talking about when he said you've hardened your heart, closed your eyes, closed your minds, closed your ears. Agreeing to disagree is not okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10. Please turn there. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. Paul bookends... The two Corinthian epistles with the same idea. 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. Did God say, hey, it's fine if you agree to disagree? No! He said, I am pleading with you, I am begging you to all get on the same page. And you know what? He closes his second epistle to the Corinthians with the same message. Look in 2 Corinthians 13. I'm keeping these right in chronological order for you. 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 11. 
He closes his second epistle to the Church of Christ in Corinth by saying, Finally, brethren, farewell. Become complete. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Be of one mind. What is he telling them? It's okay if you all have different opinions and viewpoints on what I said? No! Agreeing to disagree is not acceptable to God when it comes to what God says. Philippians chapter 1. Please turn there. We got two more. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Chapter 2 and verse 1. If there's any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Does that sound like to you that agreeing to disagree is okay with God? Not on your life. Not on your eternal life. And the final one is 1 Peter 3 and verse 8. And it says this. 1 Peter 3 and verse 8 says, Finally, all of you be of one mind, have compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tender, be courteous. And he goes on from there. That do any of those texts even remotely suggest that it is okay with God for us to be, for us to agree to disagree? Now, do you know what a person is saying to you when you present to them God's word? And they, you're, you're standing on black and white, you're standing on book, chapter, and verse, you're standing on the word of God, you're saying, this is what it says, and you're showing them it's what it says, and they say, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Do you know what they're really saying? Have you ever thought about that? First off, they say it to me, I haven't agreed to anything. Well, we'll just have to agree to disagree. Oh no, I'm not agreeing to that for a split second. Not on your life. You may agree to it, but we ain't agreeing on it. Number two, what I have agreed to is I have agreed to submit myself to the authority of Christ because I'm standing on this verse. And the third thing that they need to understand that they're saying, when I quote them book, chapter, and verse, and they say, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree, what they're actually saying is, I'm going to disagree with God. Is there any other way to say, when you, when you put it right out there, and it's book, chapter, and verse, and it's black and white, and they say, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. No, I'm going to agree with God. You're the ones disagreeing with him. This ain't my opinion. This is God's word. This is what we need to help people understand before it is forever too late for them. Can we all understand the Bible alike? Absolutely. And why don't we? Reasons we've just covered. People want their own way more than they want to submit to God's way. They want to be in charge more than they want to be under his authority. Some are biblically ignorant and don't know and don't care to study the scriptures so that they can know the truth. Others are afraid to abide in his word because of fear that it would interfere with the sinful lifestyle they want to live and indulge in. Some people are too comfortable where they are and they don't want to pay the price of true repentance. Some are too willing to accept deceptive false doctrines that they have been taught, while others... 
have too much pride to admit to themselves, their families, and those they have taught that they've been wrong all those years. That's why we don't understand the Bible alike. Because some refuse to do that. The writer of those five ifs, those five fatal ifs that I quoted earlier, concluded his article, or said later on in his article this. All who desire to know God's will and obey it can understand the Bible alike and be united in Christian fellowship. It is not what the Bible teaches that divides us. It is what it does not teach. The traditions of men that create the problem. Creeds and doctrines created in the minds of men confuse students. God expects all Christians to study diligently, carefully, and prayerfully in order that we might speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among us, but that we be perfected together in the same mind and judgment. 1 Corinthians 1.10 The Bible can be understood by any honest soul who is willing to lay aside all the prejudice and previous religious indoctrination. We can understand the Bible alike and we can be perfectly united as God desired if we, number one, are willing to abide in his word. Number two, study to show ourselves approved. Number three, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And number four, do what God said. True unity, as God describes and demands it, is truly as close as that commitment if every religious person in the world would simply throw out everything except the Bible and say, you know what? I just want to please God. I just want to understand God's will and do God's will because I want to be with God. Could we all be one? Could we? Could we all understand this and just throw it all out and just say, hey, I'm going to do this God's way. It'd be How many churches would there be? Why? Because God said there's... Tonight, we need to understand that the world is lost and they don't understand what they say when they say we need to agree to disagree. That that means we're going to agree with God and they're going to disagree with him and they're going to have to face him one day with that. I hope tonight has helped you if you ever face one of those situations or one of those fatal five. If you're here tonight and you need the prayers of the church or you would like to respond by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, if there's any of those needs that you have, please come to the front as we stand and sing.